you're listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada, located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. May only truth be spoken and only truth received. Amen. Well, doesn't that gospel reading positively cry out for some serious wrestling? Just one week after Father's Day, And we hear Jesus said, Say, for I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. One's foes will be members of one's own household. It would seem that the highly sentimentalized way in which the North American church can conflate Christianity with so-called family values just hit a brick wall. Focus on the family? Not so much, it would appear, unless you're prepared to accept Jesus' radical redefinition of what constitutes a family. Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? That's what he said to people who told him that his mother Mary and his brothers had come to talk to him. And pointing to his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Blood is thicker than water, goes that popular proverb. But at heart, Christianity actually teaches that water, the waters of baptism, in which we mark our incorporation into the body of Christ, water is thicker than blood. Over the course of this 10th chapter of Matthew, those disciples are just beginning to contend with the depth of the claims that are being placed upon them. At the beginning of this 10th chapter, they're gathered together and they're commissioned to go out and to proclaim the good news, to teach that the kingdom of heaven has come near, to offer healing and restoration to people as they go. This will be no easy mission for you, Jesus says to them. You're going to be like sheep in the midst of wolves. You're going to need to be as wise as serpents and as innocent as doves. And you're going to have to resist hedging your bets by picking and choosing the times when you're actually going to speak about what it is you're doing on this road trip. Speak about what you stand for and your faith. Everyone who acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven, he says to them. But... Whoever denies me before others, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. Oh, man. So if I'm in a really tough spot, you can imagine maybe Simon Peter saying, if I'm in a really tough spot, facing outright hostility in some dusty town, I still have to talk about you, Jesus? Yeah, he's saying to them, yeah, you do. If you thought you were just going to go heal a few sick people and be all sunshine and light wherever you go, you need to think it through again. 
I know that I've been talking to you about love and mercy and grace and peace. Turn the other cheek. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. I know I've been teaching you all that. But when you actually begin to do it, you're probably going to get beaten up for it. Do not think that I've come to bring peace to the earth, he says. I've come not to bring peace, but a sword. Now, he's not telling them to start packing swords. The one time that Simon Peter actually pulls one out and starts swinging it around, Jesus tells him to put it away. It's just that the peace that he does bring will be so unsettling to people, particularly to those in places of power for whom the status quo is working very nicely, thank you very much. For those kind of folks, there's bound to be some serious kickback coming. As Matthew sets out all these teachings that Jesus offered to his 12 disciples, he's quite aware of what it will also all mean to his early readers. This gospel dates to sometime around 70 AD, which means that they've got close to 40 years of experience of what it has cost to be a part of the Jesus way. Sons have been in conflict with their fathers. Daughters at odds with their mothers. Foes have been found in one's own household. It did happen. To embrace the reign of God as Jesus had offered it and embodied it did mean that you walked a path quite different from conventional Judaism, and it did put you at serious odds with the values and the loyalties of the empire. Walk that Jesus path, and your family might not understand. They might reject you. They might push you out, or they might just be afraid you've lost your mind. Man, that was costly in that ancient world in which family was at the very core of your identity. It was the name that you carried. It was your security. And in old age, it was, in fact, akin to your pension plan because it was family who looked after you. Now, I want to be clear that Jesus isn't doing the sort of thing that some modern cult leaders have been known to do. Namely, to intentionally alienate and separate people from their families as a way of controlling. Probably the most egregious example of that is a cult that was originally known as the Children of God. Later, they renamed themselves the Family. And isn't that a bit telling? Prospective converts were intentionally, and are, because it still lives as 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 a cult, were intentionally isolated from their families. They were taught to embrace what was presented as the more true uppercase F family, led by a man called Moses David, or that's what they called him. But that was manipulation and mind control. That has nothing in common with the, with the sort of freedom which Paul writes of in his epistle to the Romans, 
Nothing in common with what Jesus is talking about here. He's not slamming the family for the sake of slamming family. He's not alienating people from their family systems for the sake of controlling them. He's just putting family in a whole new perspective. Yes, he absolutely does say that whoever does the will of my father is my brother and sister and mother. He does say that, and he means it. Yet as the gospel story rolls forward, we learn that his mother Mary and his brothers are very much a part of this community with him, that he is in real relationship with them. He has not cast his birth family aside. I think there's a a really positive side to a teaching that at first feels merely hard-nosed. That has to do with what can happen when Christians actually turn to each other and view each other as sisters and brothers in the one body. It was almost exactly a year ago that I hit a huge crisis in my own family, my own marriage. My daughters and my mom and my brother and sister, they came through for me in a big way. Lots of support, lots of compassion. But they were sorrowing too, confused. So it was all pretty tough. Now I could have tried to just lean on my blood family and then try to hide away the rest of it from everyone else. Try to be strong and solid. But that wasn't what I discerned to be what Jesus calls the will of the Father. No, I I knew I had to turn in honesty and vulnerability to you. To you and to my other brothers and sisters in Christ. In doing that, I experienced something that I knew would be or should be true, but actually experienced it as true in my heart, my soul, my whole self. As this community responded in ways practical, adding Rachel and Kaylin in those part-time ministry roles, or just including me at dinner tables, and ways profoundly personal, deep listening, deep compassion, deep prayer, I understood what it truly means to be a member of Christ's body. For all of the healing and restoration the past year has brought, even now as I prepare to move from my house, people from this community are beginning to come and to offer to lend a hand with the packing or the cleaning of the kitchen or the prepping of a new place. I know that Carolyn had the same experience when she was preparing her house to move to Fort Francis. And I know others here have had parallel kinds of experiences when they were facing big challenges. When the church does that, it's out of a recognition that we are to each other brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers, That's the calling. Significantly, right in the midst of this really challenging gospel teaching, like you could probably preach any number of sermons on each of those sections, 
But right in the midst of all of those challenges that Jesus is laying on the hearts of his disciples, he tells them not to fear. Don't let fear take you down. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, he asks them. Yet not one sparrow will fall to the ground unperceived by your father. And even the hairs of your head are counted. So do not be afraid. Man, that phrase rings through the Gospels a lot, eh? So do not be afraid. You are of more value than many sparrows. Truth is, in our lives, things can be risky. Things can get difficult. And sometimes we find ourselves up against walls we never even ever expected. But do not be afraid. Because in the life of the body of Christ, you're not alone. You're never alone. Because you've got family. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You've been listening to a St. Benedict's Table podcast. For more information on our church or to provide support for our online work, visit us at stbenedictstable.ca.